Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I am joined by Deborah Kish, Vice President of Research and Workforce Development at the Fiber Broadband Association. We discuss the state of the fiber broadband workforce, where the biggest needs are, how the Fiber Broadband Association's Optic Path program is helping to train new recruits, and why veterans are making up a significant portion of the Optic Path program and the fiber workforce in general. Deborah, thank you so much for joining me and welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Nicole. It's nice to be here. Yeah, so I'm excited to talk with you today. We're going to talk a bit about the fiber broadband workforce and updates to the Fiber Broadband Association's Optic Path program. So to start, like to set the stage, I'm wondering if you can just share a bit about the state of the fiber workforce, where are the biggest needs currently based on what you're hearing from your members? What are the most important roles to fill, particularly as we ramp up to getting bead dollars out uh, in the next year or so? Yeah, thanks. Um, So there's there's a lot of need out there. So we are looking at, you know, the number of fiber miles that are to be built over the next five years. And, you know, areas that are in need are fiber optic technicians, splicers, you know, fiber to the home installs, you know, the premise install um, guys, if you think Larry, the cable guy, um, <laughs> there's also, there's also the whole back end, you know, or I should say front end, which is the, the contractor side. So there's always been a shortage of, you know, it's it's gotten worse over the years. And now that we're coming upon a, what I would think would be a mass exodus of people who are on the retirement path, because let's face it, it's not, um, it's not a secret that the majority of our workforce is in the 40, 45 plus year old category. So these are all people who have been in this industry for a long time, particularly in fiber. So the, we need to be able to backfill a lot of those positions that, you know, are, that are being, now I don't want to say phased out, but these are the people who are retiring. So, well, we're going to need people to backfill all those positions, INR positions, customer service, you know, so when you think about it, a lot of the, um, as subscribers grow with the ISPs, there's going to need to be more customer support. There's going to need to be more knock. There's going to be uh, people in the knock. There's going to be need to be people, you know, who are just generally part of the build and support of that network going forward. Right. Okay. So yeah, you mentioned people retiring is one big obstacle that the industry is facing in terms of the workforce right now. Um, so what are some other barriers to getting people into the workforce to replace those those people who are leaving? <laughs> Oh, this is a this has been a long term um, issue and something that's weighed heavily on my mind is interest. Mm. Um, we have not, as an industry, done a very good job at keeping interest in the industry alive and well and in the limelight for young people. So we're having a really difficult time attracting the younger generation. Um, it, it's it's unfortunate because these the young people of today are the ones that are using this technology at its optimum and you know i'm just finding that when i when i visit high schools and middle schools which by the way is kind of too late to try to generate interest Mm -hmm. but i do think it's important that we bring telecom or broadband into high school environments so that the young people at least have an opportunity to gain some familiarity with how this stuff is built 
and yeah. what makes their cell phone work and what makes the internet work. And if we did that, then, you know, I'm thinking perhaps they might get more interested in this. You know, we've fallen too far into four-year college degrees and pushing young people into four-year college degrees because it's a, um, it's a, a misnomer that it's a dead-end job or it doesn't pay very well and that nothing could be further from the truth. And the other side of the coin is that I don't think that they realize the opportunities that are in the telecommunications industry anyway. So, it, you know, I've often said fiber optic technician today, um, CEO tomorrow, but Ivan Seidenberg is one of my poster children. So Ivan Seidenberg was uh, working for Verizon. He was in the manholes and he was splicing copper uh, in the manholes. And then some years later, he worked his way up the ladder and he ended up running Verizon for how many years as CEO and president. Right. So to me, right. that's that's the success story that, you know, that we're looking for. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned you guys are going to high schools and middle schools. Is it too late for middle schools or are you saying it's too late by the, it's it's kind of late by the time you get to high school? Like what's the what's the optimal time to get this in front of a student? Five or six years old when they get their first <laughs> cell phone. <laughs> there there are there are events like Build My Future. We had yeah. um, we had Build My Future come to Fiber Connect uh, in Orlando this past year. And um, we had someone from Build My Future, and she was basically saying, Charlize Ruth, she said that, um, you know, to, to have them start at a very young age is optimal because, you know, that way they, they get more familiarity very early on. Yeah. Um, most kids nowadays have a cell phone at five years old. And, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that they've developed some... They've developed some books like Goodnight, Goodnight Construction Site or, you know, My Hands Are Dirty or I'm Dirty, you know, just to kind of give them some familiarity with, you know, what they could expect from a job like that. Yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. I could stay on that for a while, but I'm going to I'm going to keep it moving here. Um, so I know that you guys at the Fiber Broadband Association have your own training program to address uh, some of this, the Optic Path program. Um, you announced it back in 2021. It launched officially, I think, early last year, 2022. Um, so for anyone who's unfamiliar, maybe if, if you could give a quick overview, that would be great. But also what updates can you share about the program um, since it launched uh, officially last year? How has it grown? Oh, it has grown tremendously. So the, the course is a fiber optic tech course, um, and it's essentially an all-inclusive, uh, some people call it an advanced splicing course, um, but it goes deeper. You know, we go deeper. We build the knowledge back into the, back into the job. So what we've seen over the years is that there have been, you know, the knowledge has been kind of reduced or fading. So, you know, we, in the last three decades, we've taught people how to do specific skills like splicing or building enclosures or troubleshooting or testing. But we haven't built in the why they're doing that and what happens when you do that. It's just basically tasks that we've been teaching them. Building knowledge back into the job means that there are better opportunities for someone to build a career path. And that's ultimately what we're doing. Um, we want to be the trusted credential across the industry. That's our goal. And you asked um, how progress is going. Well, I think we're officially in popcorn mode. And popcorn mode means that we are popping up courses all over the country. Um, so we've got Maine, we've got courses that are popping up in 
Virginia and North Carolina, Mississippi. Um, we're working on pilots in Ohio and working with um, other organizations in Seattle, uh, Washington. So, uh, and Florida is thriving. Uh, so we're we're coming up on a lot of courses that have that have uh, popped up. Awesome. Um, and so all of these courses are offered in uh, in partnership with a, a community college or a learning institution of some sort. Is that correct? Yeah. So they are in community colleges and we typically partner a community college with an internet service provider or a contractor. And we also work with veterans programs and at-risk youth programs. Okay. Very cool. And do you have a number of how many people have graduated the program? Um, and is there anything you can tell me about how people with certifications are then being connected to jobs? Yeah. So um, I think we're just over 200 graduates in the last year or since, Excellent. since we've, since we've launched. So we're just a little over 200. The majority of the graduates are actually coming from veterans programs. Uh, okay. Like, like the Learning Alliance Corp in Florida. Yeah. And those types of programs typically already have a connection to an ISP. So they've got an, a very high um, placement rate. I think their okay. I think their placement rate is about so about maybe 85 or 86% of the graduates have moved into jobs. Okay, very interesting. So let's let's talk about that a bit more because you and I are chatting just before Veterans Day. I think this episode will run just after. Um, so it's a good moment to chat about the veterans angle here. Um, I understand veterans are making up a significant portion of the fiber workforce and of your program. So um, you mentioned there's a, a connection through partnerships. Uh, so tell me a bit about why uh, a job in fiber is appealing to the veteran population and um, why veterans are ideal for, for these positions. Yeah, thanks. So they make up about 70, 75% of our graduates from our wow. course, which is really interesting. Um, they make ideal candidates because, you know, veterans are, are generally used to working outdoors. And I think more importantly, when, when I think about it, they actually have a work ethic and discipline. You know, meaning that they know what it means to be on time and take a job seriously and take pride in their work. You know, they strive for perfection, which is critical as, you know, in a job as a fiber optic technician. And, yeah. you know, some of the other transferable skills that they learn while they're in service, you know, they do a lot of networking training in in the, the, the military. So all those things, working with their hands, working with small tools, things of that nature, you know, they're all transferable skills. And, you know, I think that they make ideal candidates. That's really cool. Um, I, I'm wondering, is this something that you guys knew going into this or uh, did you learn that along the way that appealing to veteran communities was actually going to help grow this program? So yes and no. Um, you know, I always knew that that would be a great opportunity for optic path you know to be adopted yeah. and you know work with those programs because you know again when i go back to when i go back to interest with young people there that's that's a challenge but you know with uh with former military you know with the veterans you know they want to work they're curious about you know technology and and how things work and they want to be part of builds Right. So, you know, but I learned a lot. I learned a lot about what these veteran programs actually do to prepare 
to prepare the veterans for civilian life as well. So, and you know, the other kind of neat thing that I like is that some some of the veterans come out and say, you know, this is kind of my way of giving back. Like the ones that end up, um, that the ones that end up uh, teaching or training. Yeah. You know, they they look at that as, you know, I served my country, and this is my way of, you know, giving back to my country. And yeah. we've heard that we've heard that a lot, actually, which is it's really heartwarming. Yeah, that's really awesome. Um, so. In terms, okay, so that's kind of one takeaway that you've gleaned, I guess, a little bit along the way. As you said, you had some some of that knowledge going into this, but uh, broadened it as as the time went on. What other lessons learned are there from the, the running the program so far? Are there any changes you all have made to improve outcomes? So we've changed um, a little bit of the content, meaning that we've tightened up some of it. You know. Okay. Each time a course has been started is always considered a pilot. And, you know, I know that the classes tend to be a little bit smaller in the beginning, but we anticipate that they'll grow in size. Mm -hmm. Um, But so if I were to look at the veterans, they're very enthusiastic. They they're really excited about learning a new skill. Um, But in terms of the content, just some tightening up, um, you know, some of the Timing of the course has been changed. So we're generally 40% knowledge and 60% hands-on. So depending on how um, quickly the knowledge part gets absorbed will allow for more time for hands-on skills training, which is exactly where they want to be. You know, nobody really likes, I shouldn't say nobody, but most people, you know, who come into this industry are very hands-on people. And the first thing that they want to do is start working with the working with the fiber or right. working with the equipment and stuff like that. Because let's face it, that's the exciting part of the job. Absolutely. You know? But you know, you have to go through, you know, a little bit of knowledge before you can actually start, you know, manipulating and working with the fiber. So, you know, yeah. those are those are things that, you know, we found to be kind of interesting and and exciting at the same time. Gotcha. Um, and you had mentioned in terms of the veterans uh, coming into the program um, that I think the ISPs are partnered with veteran yeah. groups, and that's how you get a lot of them involved. Um, same, same with at-risk youth groups. Absolutely. Yeah. So those, those two pro- those two program types. Yeah. Um, well, and even the way that we've you know even if I'm looking at a community college, even the way that we've designed you know how the courses are run there's an ISP or a contractor on the other side. So, right. Yeah. So in all cases, you know, we have lined up, you know, uh, ISPs, contractors that are looking for people. And if they're not only part of the instruction, you know, they have that relationship with the people who are taking the course, but the veterans programs and the at-risk youth programs like Job Corps, for example, Mm -hmm. uh, they already have, you know, a lot of the um, relationships built. Plus the other side of the coin too, is that uh, FBA and the Wireless Infrastructure Association also have a relationship. So we're part of the TIRAP program. Okay. And there's, I think they're over, I think the TIRAP has 102 or 103 uh, committed employers right now. So lining all those people up in apprenticeships is is really a, a, a great thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, uh, the main thing I was getting at is it sounds like you all have to partner in a lot of different ways in order to, to make this program run and grow and get people from the communities uh, that, 
that need to be served uh, in these roles, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, last question for you then, if someone is listening to this and they either want to get started with the program themselves or they want to hire someone who's trained with the program, uh, what should they do? They should get in touch with me or they should visit uh, FBA's website. So you can uh, contact me at dkish at fiberbroadband.org or go to fiberbroadband.org website and under the resources uh, menu, you'll find the education and training. Okay, excellent. We'll make sure that all of that is in our show notes. Thank you so much, Deborah. I really enjoyed talking with you today and good luck uh, training the fiber workforce of America. Thanks, Nicole. (laughs) Thank you again, Deborah, for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.